everybody. Welcome to the. Hello. That sounded like. Uh, <laughs> that sounded like. Uh, what is that? There was something. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome <laughs> to the Rabbit Trails podcast. This is Barrett Harkins with Garrett Redmond. We are after a long hiatus, or is that is that a word? Yeah, no, it's not hyacinth. That's a flower. Hiatus a flower. is a break. Uh, yeah, break. We haven't, yeah, we haven't talked in a while. We've been busy. Yeah, yeah you know. Busy selling apartments packing up it's yeah. may the 7th 7th and it, and it snowed outside today holy cow it's like it's hot here man i'm in short sleeves I, some of my kids are already in shorts it it looks hot it actually so it's interesting there is sun coming through in your room there and i can tell by the way that the sun is coming in and believe it or not the amount of traffic noise that i hear outside that it's hot yeah. yeah. Even traffic drives differently when it's hot. <laughs> you're, you're like a, like a, a, a temperature whisperer. You can like, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I've just lived overseas long enough. I can, I can tell, you know, I, yeah. th- there's a certain amount of traffic that happens in a big city, or maybe it's just the fact that you have your window open. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Windows open. It's, it's a nice day. We need the fresh air coming in. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's, so how, how has, how have you been? Uh, it's been a while. Uh, it's, Good, just busy. I think you've been busy transitioning out of a, of a role and moving and you sold, just, you sold a house. I just listened to a podcast on transgender stuff. And so when you said you've been yeah. transitioning, <laughs> transitioning. I, my brain went to other places. That's, oh yeah, that's, just, that's like the thing now. Yeah. Just for clarity's sake, I am not transitioning. Yeah. Transitioning out of a, out of a <laughs> job position and a country. We've been, we've been, we've been busy. Just a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of things to do. It's, it's, you know, life's going back to normal. Yeah. And so that means every, there's just more stuff now to do. So. Well, it's good. It's good to be back behind the microphone uh, yeah, where we belong. Back in the, back both, in the saddle. Both belong in our natural habitat. <laughs> um, I heard an interesting. Uh, I listened to an interesting podcast the other day. Uh, Tim Keller, being interviewed by um, Carrie Newhoff. So Carrie Newhoff leadership. Yeah, yeah, he's got pod- a good podcast, podcast uh, that they always say podcast with that uh, crazy Canadian accent that I can't, hey. I can't, <laughs> I can't hit it. But, but uh, anyway, um, and they were talking to Keller and fantastic interview. So for anyone out there, go and find that that um, interview with Tim Keller worth listening. But there, there was a short, about midway through, a short comment. They get onto the to the realities of okay how if how has church and ministry changed due to pandemic and due to zoom and digital and, and different things like that and there was a fascinating uh conversation that are, that then happened based on well what is the benefit of digital and what is the necessary of presence in ministry yeah. that I'd, I'd like to verbally process with you a little bit yeah so Keller says, well, of course, you know, far and above, if this pandemic had happened 10 years ago, it would have looked completely different. And thanks to technology. Oh, that's Zoom, a great question. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. This is, you know, this is, wow. The fact, the things that we can do because of Zoom and how life was able to continue going on with yeah. a semblance of normalcy. 
which I thought was a fantastic point. And he said, you know, obviously a lot of churches will never go back to doing just location services that they'll also stream. And even us as a small church in Sweden, we, we will continue to do some form of streaming. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were talking about, okay, what equipment are we going to have for the long haul and all these things. So anyway, so there, there, there are those things. But Keller made a fantastic point, which I think you and I have talked about a little bit here, but I want to, I want to do a deeper dive. Um, he talked about how presence is very necessary for ministry. Yeah. Um, and so the way that he put it was, look, while digital is great and these things are great, at the end of the day, what he said is, if I'm face-to-face meeting you, you don't check your email, but yeah. we've all checked our email on Zoom meetings. Of course, yeah. Or done other stuff. Pay yeah. bills. And uh, <laughs> booked flights. I mean, <laughs> booked flights, you know what? Rebooked, <laughs> canceled flights. <laughs> Planned vacations, future vacations you might take. You know, I mean, what? what the, the, really, the cost really, of moving to Spain. <laughs> yeah, really, really, the sky's the limit. You know, it's just really what's at the tip of your fingertips. Well, you're sitting in a computer. Yeah, all of those and, I I have done. I admit. Yeah, I've I've, I've listen, we, we need that. Yeah, it's basically confession time. I mean, and and you know, I mean, I'm always I always sometimes in big meetings trying to look and say, you know, at people and yeah, are they? How do I? I you know, try to see if you can catch they, somebody. They just turned their camera off. Are they picking their nose or are they doing yeah, something? Yeah, are they, yeah, are they having yeah. a conversation or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, so, or the okay. fact that your kids wander into the room, you know? Yeah. Like I just thought I, I started, I started just owning it when my kids would walk into the room. Yeah. Yeah. You know? me too. It's not just like, Hey, here they are people. Uh, so no, I thought it was a fantastic point. So what he would say is the quality of our conversation and our interaction so like, then there was another podcast that I was listening to where they were talking about, yeah, so one thing that happens is like, you, you lose so much of the personal aspects of interaction. So he would say, like the ability to small talk. It's like, you don't really small talk on Zoom. You say the meeting's going to start at X time and it's going to end at X time. You get on, everyone says, hi, everybody, yeah. glad you're here. Okay, let's start the meeting. And there's no opportunity for that small talk of he, this, this was the context of New York city. So it was like, Hey, what train did you take on the way here? Oh, have you seen this? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And these shared moments that we have as humanity. Uh, I got to thinking those things are really important. And I don't think we, mm, I want to be careful. I think those things are really important and we should appreciate them for what they are, that they're not a waste of time that no. they actually are in, they enrich life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think you can go deeper is that we are embodied people, right? We, we follow uh, a, a God, Jesus, who actually took on human flesh mm-hmm. and, and embodied, uh, you know, humanity and walked among us. I think I think that's 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 very important that we're I think in some sense what we're seeing if I can propose something that maybe is totally wrong but it feels that more and more our society is moving into a kind of a fascination with um, another word totally uh, but it's you know very old Gnosticism very old mm. philosophy that the early Christians dealt with which is that our bodies our ability to dwell in space and time it's not important. You know, and you see, you see that 
you know, I think I think you see that in some of the the kind of major societal movements that are going on right now. But kind of the thing, our bodies are really not important. But I think in Christianity, our bodies are important. There, we will be resurrected in bodies, not as some souls floating around in yeah you know, the ether. And, and I think that that then has, I think has application for us um, as as Christians in this world where more and more the pull is away from being together with people in in presence i think i think there's a pull I, although i think most people feel that pull and then want to go the opposite direction i think most people but there's a pull for some people that it maybe gets a little dangerous because they get sucked into a whole other you know you can spend your whole life online not not dealing with people not dealing with reality um and it can be a actually pretty comfortable experience uh but so I, I think I think that's totally right. I think I think who we are are meant to be people who are into with other people, as Christians specifically, but as humans, in in physical spaces, and that's just part of being human. This well, this all this other stuff is great. Well, yeah, you know, and it's, this it's is not just added. It's not just even physical spaces, but it's also the the mundane. How incredibly important that brings texture to the depth of a yeah. a. a a weighty conversation. So gosh, I don't I don't know how to fully express it, but it 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 seems to me that like one could jump on a Zoom call and have an incredibly meaningful important conversation. You guy you and I do this podcast over yeah, yeah. over Zoom and it <laughs> most podcasts it's incredibly meaningful. Uh <laughs> there's a few that maybe haven't been as meaningful, but uh we'll we'll leave that up to the critics to decide. But the the I think what I, I think what I'm getting at is I, it's kind of like just even that conversation of when you sit down with someone or you have someone over to your home and maybe yeah. you are just talking about the weather or the difficulty that it was to make it to the cafe or the, the interaction that they had with a store clerk on the way there or whatever else it is the the small talks that happens leading up to the really quote unquote important talk how enriching that is to yeah. the texture of our life exactly and a screen doesn't have texture and so i i wonder i wonder if organizations are going to be quote unquote more efficient but they lose all the texture and depth of, of meaning. So like a workplace, and this is what a workplace, and I think ministry is very different than a workplace. So, but a workplace can go out of efficiency, efficient meetings in via Zoom, but that's not why people end up staying at a place to work for the long haul. They stay because they end up having meaningful relationships with people they yeah. enjoy the water cooler conversations, uh, ping pong tables, whatever else it may be. They accomplish something with a team together that, yeah, that does something. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think you're right because I think if you think about you and I ability to get on and do a podcast, that is all predicated upon the fact that you and I have known each other for many years. Yeah, we've been in, we've been in meetings together in different places of, of, in Europe. Oh, you know? the meetings so, we have seen. The meetings, the meetings we've seen, <laughs> we, you know, we've, we've, we've been, we've, we've been on vacation together. We've walked the Camino. I mean, so there's, there's yeah, that. Right. And I think, I think a lot of, you know, I, I do think what you said is very interesting because I think it's going to be really tricky for a lot of organizations 
because at the, at, you, you still have to have trust. That's the key to any team, any organization is there has to be trust and you have to build that trust through relationships. And maybe you can backyard in backyard reverse, reverse engineer that through zoom. Maybe you can, right. I don't what know where the idiom were you bringing I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the backyard. You can backyard it through the front door <laughs> on the yeah. tail end. <laughs> um, so, so, I'm sorry. So I, yeah, I know. I don't know where that word, <laughs> why that word came out of the backyard. It, the, uh, yeah, it's you know multiple languages. Okay, so you can reverse engineer it. Yeah, maybe you can. Re- maybe you can reverse engineer it through Zoom. But at some point, you've got to get people in a room together. And I, I have a feeling that to some degree, all this stuff worked well and it looks efficient now because you all these people were for the most part working together. So mm-hmm. they had they had history, but but you can't keep everyone in this place and keep adding new people to it. Yeah, right. You have no institutional memory people, and you have no, those, no yeah. culture. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think in, in you know the efficiency. Well, they. I mean, I think there's already been some reports. I, uh, what's his name? The guy um, writes New York Times, kind of a Harvard guy. He did the Camino uh, a few years ago. Um, he was talking about how you know that he he has some really great, interesting ideas. I cannot remember his name right now. Um, David Brooks. David Brooks. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. know he did the Camino. Yeah, he did. He wrote a. He wrote quite a bit about it. I, I don't know if he put out. He put out a pretty big article about it. But um, he's a big Camino guy. Hmm. Um, but he was. He, I think he was talking about you know that because he talks about happiness, you mm-hmm. know, and and so uh, I think his his thing is that the, the, the research has always shown that being online, being in Zoom meetings, is not provoking worker happiness i mean this is right. this and, and and did we and did we really need a study for that that's the question like that's the question like we all knew that yeah. in, internally right. we knew that zoom was not going to be something that if it now zoom can add into that i can call my see my family more often you know but i'm, I'm not going to go mom the zoom thing's working so good we're never coming to visit again right <laughs> that, that's 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 not gonna happen you'll never right? see your grandkids again <laughs> never see your great you don't just see them online it's great so uh we knew that wasn't gonna happen we knew that deep down so we, why do we think that in the work world or ministry world that that's going to be the the de facto when we know people aren't happy with that yeah they're not, so they're, that's, they're not content with that so and if you don't have happy people in a company you're not going to have a efficient company I mean, that's well, just, and, that's and, also and yeah yeah I would say that you don't a, have a know, rich you, you don't have a rich and textured environment so you have a very flat yeah, exactly. and shallow environment yeah. but okay so here's yeah. here's there's two levels of this one is the figuring out that society is going to have to do on an organizational and societal level of the role of these digital tools to bring effective, but also rich, enrich our lives. So that's a leveling out that's got to happen and a figuring out that's got to happen. Um, But, and, and that's kind of, I I guess I took us in that direction a little bit, but then there's the, the ministry aspect of this, which I think obviously you and I being in ministry is an important conversation to have. So what is let me let me let's take it from the Swedish and Spanish context because those are where we are. Um, hey, pretty soon we're just going to have a one-sided conversation. Yeah, of, yeah. We'll we'll just have the the regional Spanish conversation. Galicia, the, the Galician, <laughs> uh, which is it's going to be interesting. We're going to have some interesting podcasts in the future of me yeah. trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah. Um, 
I've got to be a real missionary again, put into practice all these things I've been talking about. But anyway, okay. So, but the, the, so let's just use our context. Um, the going back, getting back out there in ministry. Um, obviously, you guys have had ministry wise have had actually in Spain have had a really good year. I mean, as far as getting, you know, new contact with people and, yeah, you know, building relationships yeah. and all things considered, it's, it's pretty good. I think that I just learned that uh, in one of our cities, we had a, a person come to Christ uh, this week, which is hugely encouraging amazing, a new person yeah. that they had made, met during the pandemic. So just really, really encouraging stuff. Um, but getting back out there, what, it, what is the, role of in presence how important is that how much should we be using digital and how much should we just be going yeah. scrap the digital just go physical uh or presence let's say um i don't know what are you what are your thoughts on that and what are y'all looking at for for spain Ooh. yeah that's a good question i'm not sure we're you know we're totally i think i think the idea we have is just that once we're we're sliding back into normal and we you know we weren't, so I don't, I, I don't, I think the question will be what of the stuff that we innovated or came up with during the pandemic, what, what do we keep, you know, and what do we get rid of? Cause you can't, you can't do it all. And I think you have to prioritize being in front of people and being with people and being present with people. I think you have to prioritize that. Now, what, like one thing that's happened is I, I, in Granada, we have a Bible study going on and it's hard for some of the people in the Bible study to, to get to where, the Bible study is. So right now it still makes sense maybe to, to do it online, but we're still seeing those people in their context present in, in, in presence, you know? Mm. So it's not, it's not like there's not a, okay. So there's just completely disembodied. So, okay, so, so that's a really, that's a really amazing point. So you have mm-hmm. a, whether it be geography or timing issue with a Bible study that happens. And so a, an adaptive technological change that you've made to mix the two terms, but is to have it online via mm-hmm. zoom to accommodate for those things, but you're still meeting people outside that. Yeah. So that's a, that's a blended model. So, so in the conversation with, with Keller, that what he was saying was he, you know, he teaches preaching at a seminary in New York. And um, he was saying that actually the whole, taking everything onto zoom actually has allowed the students to get more out of him because mm. all of them, because of time and distance, because of the, the, the peculiarities of the New York traveling and everything and how big it yeah. is. A lot of times people couldn't make every class or every session with him, but because of zoom, they have been able to make that. And so they're getting more out of him, but they, what they report is what they're most dissatisfied with is they're not getting interaction with each other. So these are future pastors or current pastors who aren't building relationships, which Keller says, you know, that's the biggest loss here because those are the relationships that are going to keep them going in ministry for the long term is those peer relationships. So I think that what, what you're talking about in your context is, is something really important. It's the blending of the two, but probably the zoom doesn't work very well for the long term If you're not having the physical space on some level. That makes sense. Yeah. I I think, I think that's a good, that's a good point. What, what about you guys? What are you guys seeing in in Sweden? Are you guys kind of having to think, through yeah i mean so challenges every city has had its different challenges uh and different things um 
thankfully as things warm up, it's a lot easier to have bigger groups. We're still limited to the number of people that we can technically by law have, you know, meet and everything. Um, we've, we've continued to be able to meet new people. Um, there was an, I, I think though it, you just find that people long to be in presence of other people. So even in Sweden where a large group is 10 people, uh, you know, like, and that's not totally true. I mean, large, you, you have groups of 5,500 all the time, but generally speaking, like if you're going to have a dinner party, 10 is a pretty big dinner party. Yeah. Um, and so, but you still find that people are very desirous of just being out and among other people. So even though Swedes on a, on a, that aspect. And so, and what we're finding within our church, so the church where, where I serve as well, uh, as, an, as an elder, there's just this bubbling up desire to have I, the, the literal texture of, of, of being together again. Yeah. Um, I, we don't think everyone's going to come back, but some of those people hadn't been around for years anyway. Um, but yeah, there, I think that there is that desire of, for, for presence ministry. So I think what we're talking about among ministry is, yeah, do things online, especially if you're going to do like, like a group Bible study. It's kind of like, that's something that actually works if you know each other and you can continue yeah. to have these conversations. Uh, they've done, we've tried some game nights, movie nights, some different things, and they actually work decently well. Um, but what we find is they work best if you already have a context for which you know, yeah. know the person. So yeah. we continue just to try to be, in and among people as much as possible within the, within the confines that we have um, currently as we're kind of outlasting this thing. So I, I, I think, so in the beginning of this, here's what I would say in the beginning of this, we, we drew back quite a bit and we did away with a lot of the things that just really weren't working for us. It gave us a lot of freedom to do that. And so that was a drawing back phase now, and what we said was, let's drill deep with the with the relationships we have. I think yeah. we've done a pretty good job of doing that. But now, I think is a time to be ramping up for the pent up energy that yeah. people are going to have to have contact with people. So yeah. now, I think is the time actually for us to be going out and trying to randomly meet people, invite them to new things because people are going to be open again to exploring new things, not just meeting up with, because a lot. So so here's the interesting thing. If you've, I wonder, I don't know if I have good quote unquote data on this, but I wonder if you've not been able to meet up with your old group of people for a long time, are you going to go back to that old group of people? Are you going to be more open for a new group of people? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a great question. I, th- I think, and I think that's, uh, you know, my question is what, what are about the, the social relational, you know, damage or, uh, lacks this, I'm not I just, I'm saying, I'm saying words that don't really make sense, but the, the, what, what is, what has happened to people? That's my, maybe my question is like, you know, are, are people, as, as things go back to normal, you know, and we have to be, let's be honest, mainly in the Western world, right? In, right, in North right. India but, Yeah, gosh. Yeah, mo- well, but I mean, most of the world has not really had lockdowns. I mean, that, if you True. get a, a, a lot, and they, because you can't, you just, the way people live and the societies function, they have not been able to, they don't have the, haven't had the, the privilege 
that you know as, as wealthy countries for us to go oh we're just not doing anything for two months you know right, so right. I, you know a lot of places have just continued to go you get up you bought you 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 harvest the crops you take it to the market you put your kid in school and that's just life you know yeah. maybe you've got masks but a lot of people in the world that's life hasn't changed that much but they've probably suffered a lot because we've all shut down uh but so so but but in the western world what what is the out, outcome what is the the fallout of people being kind of cut off isolated uh i think that's what i'm interested in and can we as christians step into that and be present and be a presence and 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 be friends to people i think that's the, the that's the big question can we be friends to people who are 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 discombobulated and looking but that's the thing i don't know if that's that's i don't know what the outcome is what the the fallout of all this is for people personally uh but i would hope we would be there and be present for people yeah 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 i i i i, I do think that this is a real opportunity for for so from my perspective, yeah, of course there was opportunity at the beginning of this thing, but I think that the Christians should never underestimate the power of presence yeah. uh, in someone's life. And so the more that we can be in a ministry context, be present in someone's life. And so like, I, I remember in when I was in Central Asia, how much of my ministry revolved around just presence. So it was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to go have tea with this person for eight hours and during that time, we're going to walk around town. We're going to, or I'm going to their, you know, hometown, their village, and I'm going to spend the weekend with them. And three of those hours we're sitting around as old neighbors come in just to see the, the American, um, you know, yeah. and so you're all sitting around having tea or whatever. And I remember as a young person being frustrated with the idea of like, but I'm not getting quote unquote ministry done. And then there was this realization of like, oh no, this is the ministry. Yeah, and the more true. that I could throw myself into that presence, that ministry of presence, the the more that that made a difference in these people's lives. Um, I I do think that there's something similar going on. The, we should be open to the ministry of presence in people's lives as we're reconnecting, um, and also be open to the fact that some people don't want to go back to the relationships that they had before because yeah. they were unhealthy. So maybe during this time, while you know maybe they've been depressed, maybe they've been drinking too much, maybe maybe to be honest, maybe they ended a relationship. And so I think there's just a lot of things there that if we could be open to presence, I think. We, do you, we'll do see you ever watch, uh, you ever watch top chef? I know I have not. I'm, I'm yeah. familiar with it, but it, it it's fascinating because they, well, for, for a number of reasons, but the newer, the new, the, the one that just is, is currently being released, uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, not, not all one time. Uh, that interesting they have to kind of think about that um but there it's it's done in portland and it's kind of done it was, it was filmed during the pandemic but cut but post like the hard lockdown right mm -hmm. and it's it's fascinating that a lot of the chefs uh you know these are very intelligent very hardworking, you know very creative people you know top top of their their game several of them have had said yeah the pandemic was really hard i i, I was drinking way too much i was I gained a bunch of, you know, a lot of people were talking about this. I, you know, I had to, sh I had to close my restaurant. I had to lay up people off and, and I kind of went, you know, I mean, I think it's like four or five of them so far have, have kind of, as they're in their story, have talked about this, uh, how difficult it was. And a lot of them having to say, well, I, I started drinking a lot and now mm -hmm. I'm, now, now I'm, I'm doing better, you know, I'm out and I'm hoping that top chef will be kind of another, you know, and these are, these are, like I said, very competent, 
you know, incredibly intelligent, creative, articulate people. Um, so they, you know, they've struggled. And the people who financially, you know, that they're, they're not necessarily, you know, you can afford to open a restaurant. Uh, you know, you're probably doing all right. And, yeah. You know, end up doing all right in life. But but they're like, this is a group of people that has really struggled um, with this last year. And so I, I think they're, I also kind of got, got out of my head a lot because I was like, oh, wow, I didn't, you know, I think we've had a different experience. I, I, we've struggled a lot, but we haven't, I haven't had to, you know, lay people off or I haven't had to, um, yeah, right. you know, close my dream. You know, I've, I've been able to keep doing more or less what I'm doing. Right. Uh, and, and start a podcast, you know, right. and do a lot of other stuff that, that, you know, and, and thanks to God, thanks to the people who, who, uh, you know, churches and individuals yeah, who, who make, that make sacrifices. Yeah. 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 Yeah, to, for us. So you know, but uh, I do think that there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of big questions and and need people, need help. They need something, and they're looking for more meaning because they've had to do some really hard things or had to you know deal with some really hard stuff. And and it could be some of it's relational, some of it's business, personal. But I think I think we need to be out there. I mean, and, and if you think about the, the top chef experience, is that these guys are doing? They're all coming together as a community of chefs. And they're getting this experience together and they're able to kind of, even though they're competing, they're, right. they're able to kind of lean on each other and share. So, so community too, is going to be something that people need. They, they need to be able to go into place and, and be, uh, you know, maybe it's a healing community of community that we're, um, and I, you know, I, I think that's going to be different with students because students necessarily don't have, haven't maybe had to give up as much, but I'm, I'm, I think maybe older people in their thirties, forties, fifties, this could have been a really, you know, difficult time yeah but it, but i think students haven't been able to fully develop yeah. the community they've had a lack of community yeah. that a student would normally have and and i and also a lot think of uncertainty yeah a lot of uncertainty and and then you, you add into the fact that now you're going to have this gap of time in which community hasn't been modeled for these students. So now you've yeah. got students who ultimately, you know, two-ish years of, or a year and a half, two years of, of schooling, which, so like one example is here in, in Sweden, or here in Uppsala, we have this uh, thing on the last day of April called Valboy, and it's all over it's all over Sweden, but it's biggest here in Uppsala because at some point, and I don't remember when it was, I'll get it wrong. Uh, but sometime I think it was in the seventies, a couple of students decided to um, make a raft out of styrofoam and float it down the river. And then the next year there were like 10 of them. And then the next year, and now there's hundreds and hundreds of entries and it's these oh, students cool. make these rafts and there's 150,000 people who come into our town to watch that. And there's these, all these celebrations and, you know, drinking and, and, and sort of stuff. It was a huge day. Well, now you've had two Valboris that have been completely canceled. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a student, it's not student, completely student run, but there is, lots of traditions in and around the student world where now, you know, if, if you're a first year or second year student at your third and fourth and fifth years, you're, you're leading those celebrations. Yeah. And these students who've been here for two years now have no idea what, what happened. My point is, is there's a communal memory that happens. Yeah. And, and yeah. so some of that's going to be lost. Some of that's good, but some of it's also bad. Um, so yeah. I, I just think that there's a, a, a an opportunity for, 
churches and Christian organizations and people in ministry to step into that um, and provide humans need community and we need context to process yeah. life. Um, I think we as Christians offer something better and meaningful, uh, more meaningful uh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And so there's that opportunity and hopefully we can, I don't know, we can step into it. Just a, yeah, just a thought. I, I think, I think that's the thing, you know, it's time for people to start thinking about getting out there and, you know, connecting with, with friends and, and, I mean, it, it could be as simple as just inviting people over your house for dinner. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, but if it's something I don't, I don't, and I'm not sure I'm hearing a lot of people talking about it necessarily, you know, it's like, Hey, let's, let's unleash this group of Christians onto the, into the world to go out and then invite their neighbors in and hang out with them and hear how they, how they, weathered this this crazy last year yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great question i don't know i mean i know here in sweden we 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 can't just yet so we're yeah. we're still our numbers are finally starting to come down a little bit uh in our what are we a third or fourth wave i don't remember which one um and so we haven't been able to fully do that we started talking about it in our church leadership meeting last night and so here's a question so if you could so there's a there's an initiative of a different organization trying to get in August um, churches and organizations Christian organizations to go out and do evangelism in their cities during the month of August. So in a hundred different cities around Sweden, great initiative. Um, and so the discussion ensued of okay, do we do we want to do this? Do we not want to do this? And I, I don't have a problem with randoms. Um, I'm not always convinced that randoms, especially in Europe, are the most effective or even necessarily evangelism or maybe primarily evangelism. Um, they serve their purpose. But it seemed to me it's like, you know, we have a great opportunity. So here's what I want to get your opinion on. Uh, you know, we had, it seems to me coming out of this thing, people are going to want deep and meaningful relationships like reaching out to a neighbor and having them over for dinner and having just a good, deep, meaningful conversation face to face that people are longing for seems maybe a better use of time than just randoms on the street. Although randoms on the street can produce things. Yeah. Um, but I just think it seems. Yeah. I mean, I, people I are longing for relationship. Yeah. And, and what's going to be the best way to communicate God's love in, in that the situation, that context, I, you know, I, you know, I, I can see both arguments are both, but I feel like in place of putting out, you know, several thousand Swedes that go out all over Sweden in the talking to people randomly, which you would probably see some things, right. You would see a, a small percentage of people, you know, and if you did things well and did more events and kind of as you know, first steps, so people could maybe, you know, and later get invited to something else or could experience community and then, you know, but if you're just going to do, you know, random meeting of people and try to share the gospel with them, I'm not sure that's as effective as, as empowering a thousand, a thousand of Swedes to invite their neighbors over for dinner or a barbecue or a hike or something, you know, and, and just get to know them and, and listen to their stories. You know, I, I feel like that could be, you know, much more powerful for, for me anyway, looking at the European context. Well, I mean, sure. we don't, we still do randoms in Sweden, but we don't, it's not our, it's not our 
best foot forward. I don't, I don't think, um, I think trying to build relationships and work through relational networks is, is our most effective thing. But I, I find that randoms tend to be the way I put it is, you know, they're the sprints that a pole vaulter does. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It, sprinting has maybe, or the sprinting exercises or stretching exercises that a pole vaulter does have less to do with pole vaulting, but they have a lot to do with it at the same time. Like they're, they're exercises that help you. Um, and so sometimes randoms are serve as an exercise for us and yeah. it's more training for the person rather than, rather than uh, putting the most hope in that God's going to use that. But now God uses that all the time, but I think some of the ways that at which it gets used is different. I just, yeah. From, from my perspective, there's a lot of good that comes from having sharing a meal do it especially i think in this pandemic it's it's think of the things that people haven't been able to do that are human and go there like do those things right so yeah. like you've yeah. had conversations with random people with a mask on and it's not that pleasant but you haven't had a good meaningful meal with someone or you know gone to a new community event like you know like you haven't joined a new group or you know all those things so offering offering or being involved in those things seems a a good source of evangelism i I think to some so some degree too barrett it's it's a question of the police are on to you buddy police are on to me now this You're is right. the uh, keep going. We can hear you. This is this is the bummer of living in the center of a city. It's, it's a lot of noise, especially now that the you know apparently criminals are back out in the street doing stuff. Uh, but I, I think I, th- I think one thing we have really got you know in, in crew we talk about how uh, you know evangelism is you know sharing the gospel, power of the Holy Spirit, and leaving the results up to God. And I, I, sometimes I wonder how much do we really believe that because we really we really talk a lot about what. You gotta have have this strategy, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have strategies. We shouldn't have good trainings. We should, I'm not saying we shouldn't have those things, but we we can we can over process everything, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like sometimes it's like if we can just talk to these amount of people about this thing, we'll see this amount. I'm like, and for me, I'm I'm very skeptical of that now because I feel like no, let's just trust God. Let's just be present in people's lives. Let's tell people who we are let's talk about jesus when we can but let's and let's pray for people right and mm-hmm. let's just see what god does and do we really do we really believe or do we have to have a always have this kind of you know so I, I go back and forth on it because i'm like yeah you, there's time to have plans and there's time to have really clear strategies that um but i'm not sure that's you know you don't hear a lot of stories about the big plan you know like who 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 in their testimonies like I was walking, you know, around by myself, and someone came up to me and, and shared this thing with me, and it changed my life. Okay, there's a few of those stories, but most yeah. of those that's but that's not what most people most people talk about. These friends that they had, who the way they lived their life, uh, or you know, they heard they read a book. So I'm not so I'm not I'm not saying there isn't the moment for certain all kinds of different things but i just you know i was like where do we want to put all our time and effort in you know that's what i think that's where we came to in spain is like we would do randoms and we still do every once in a while we'll send people out you know into the into the fray and see what happens and you know we can we'll do thousands you know you can do thousands 
and see no one. And so at some point we were like, this is, this is not a good place to put our time because it's not, it doesn't. And, and within the culture of Spain, people will talk to you. They love to talk. You can, you can get all kinds of great conversations with strangers. They love it. Yeah. But these are people who already have all their friends, their family. That, so when you then make the next step, which is, Hey, would you like to No, I, I don't know you. Why would I want to talk to you beyond this moment? You know, so what you have to do is you, if you want to really connect with people, you've got to connect with them, not in an artificial way, meeting them on the street, but you know, you've got to invite them into something that they want to go to or be a part of, or. Yeah. What is connection for a Spaniard? It takes a long time, I think, you know, and, but I, I I think it's uh, well, it depends on who they are and what they're, what they're looking for, but it, I think it's, it's done in group. You know, it's, it's, that's the other thing too. It's it would be really weird to have a one-on-one conversation with someone you just met about God, you know. But in a group, if if, if you had a group like six people and you came up two or three people and you had a conversation, yeah, that, that makes sense. That was fun, but you know, but it was just that moment. Yeah, and I think that that and and that's all. You know, Spanish culture is very in the moment too. So let's have fun in this moment. But when that moment's over, eh, it's over. And those people were nice, but I have no interest in never seeing them again. Or they don't, you know. So I think it's, it's that building that that trust over time, and that's mm-hmm. that's real connect. When someone goes, I, "I this is someone I trust. This is someone I I want in my life," and uh, you know that's when you can really have more of a. And that takes time, you know. That's, uh, yeah. but it's very trust is huge here. Yeah. Is there a culture where trust isn't huge? Yeah, but I want to say in Spain, it's very, it's very. Uh, I mean, people say it. They'll say he's you know he's he's a trust trustworthy person right? so there's a big there's a big there's a big threshold to trust then yes yeah so you just can't you just can't earn trust quickly like in america you know yeah we have low very threshold quick. to trust yeah low threshold to trust so right. he seems like a good guy i'll give him a thousand dollars you know <laughs> uh spain seems like a good guy oh, uh, his name is Bertie madoff sounds sounds like a winner to me <laughs> yeah yeah sounds like so I, I think that's the thing too, is like if you're in a culture where people are social and like to talk to you, you can misunderstand people talking to you as, Oh, we're, we're making progress here. Hmm. No. Uh, whereas you got to understand the concept of confianza or trust, which is that's a, you know, there's not, that's, that's a very tight group of people, you know, that you don't just, not anyone comes into that group of trust. So it's very high to get in that, you know, and, 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 but, but but if you can get in there, then you know there's a conversation that can happen, that, and that takes time. Yeah. So, well, it takes presence and it takes time. Yeah, it takes a lot of presence. Yeah. So I'm and I'm of good. I'm of the opinion. Um, you know, there's a the book. I don't remember what book it was, but it was like quality time versus quantity of time. There's this idea of mm-hmm. oh, he's a really quality time person, or he's a quant. They just need a lot of quantity time. I'm, I I think I've decided there is no quality of time. There is only quantity of time Yeah. that, that you just need to log time and meaningful ministry. So like, let's say you can go out on the street and you can see someone to come to Christ, but it's only quantity of time with that person in the context of community. That's going to make that person into a lifelong Mm -hmm. disciple. Like exactly. At at the end of the day, you got to come back to somehow there's got to be quantity of time and where that happens, you know, that that's going to be 
that's up to the person, but quantity of time yeah. or, or just time in general is, is, is really yeah. important, which is that realization has made me, I think a much more, how do you say like a calm in my ministry, less yeah, yeah. frazzled or urgent. I mean, there's yeah. an urgency to the gospel with which we need to make it out there. But I, but I think, I think it's made me a lot more patience with the person, patient with the person who's in front of me yeah. Um, yeah. to build that relationship. That's so do a great we, point. So, yeah. So I, The, the idea of just kind of these random, like, let's say just random encounters, evangelism and things like that. We're not saying you're against it. What we're saying is, is at least within the cultures we're in, you need a lot more time and a context to build uh, and process the gospel and the claims of Christ and life. Yeah. Is that, is that a, is that a decent enough way to put it? I think so. I think too, we need to be careful not to pigeonhole people. You know, I think I've, I've always felt a little bit of guilt because I'm not particularly geared towards just meeting random people and explaining the gospels to them really well. Never the people I've usually seen trust Christ or friends or people I've known for a while or people in community that I've, I've been able to, you know, kind of invite them into something. I, I, so I think, I think that's, you know, where, where crew particular organization was founded by a guy who was really good at that. Yeah. You know, but Bill Bright also was a guy who really loved Jesus and really uh, exuded that in his personality and who he was. That's, that's just what I get the sense of. So him talking to somebody next to sat next to him and playing was great, but that's not going to be everyone's style of evangelism. Not everyone. I mean, I don't think you don't see there's there's that's the only way that people come to Christ, probably the minimal way. But at the same time, some people are not going to be good at that. And so why, why are we making people feel guilty? I don't, and I'm not saying we are, but I think when you say that's the, that's the way to do it. And if you're not, you know, I know I have great friends who can walk into an ice cream parlor and in a really winsome way, get to know the person there and share the gospel with them and get and and, and, but they're just natural at that. That's a personality thing. You know, I don't think you can train it because yeah. what, what people, what ultimately people want is they want to know that whoever's talking to them cares about them and is listening. Right. So some people can do that and, are, and do that well with random strangers. I don't, you know, yeah. I'm a shy person. I'm, I'm more of an introvert, but I do that well with people I have some type of context with. Or, so I think too, that's the other thing we have to be careful not to, to pigeonhole people. Into, this is what you have to be able to do. I'm like, ah. But you're, we're just setting people back, I think. And it takes them maybe five, 10 years before they realize, oh, there's other ways to, to, to talk to people about Jesus. I'm not saying we're doing that as crew, but I think that can happen, you know, because sometimes we can put too much of a priority on one type of evangelism, and I, th- I and, think, and kind uh, of, yeah, and kind of, and kind of go this other kind. Eh, that's off. Yeah. That's off the. You know, that's not. That's not who we are. That's not really that effective. I'm like, and I think you know, and so people get you know can feel guilt or like, oh, I'm just not really good at this. I don't like this. I'm like, it's alright if you don't like it. Like, who said you had to be good about? standing in a, in a, you know, center of a plaza and yelling at people. So, so that, 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 that is the that only way to do evangelism and you know, <laughs> that's yeah, uh, right, 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 right. So maybe some people are really good at that, you know, but <laughs> standing in a plaza and yelling at people. Uh, okay. uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. So, so here's one way to look at it. So, right. You're familiar with strength finders. Yeah. 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 Or strengths finder. Um, so it occurred to me that we're doing a, 
as a as a leadership team here and it's really good love the training or love the kind of process of going through everyone else's giftings and different stuff and you know i am i am weighted in in one side of things i don't i don't have too much in in one category of of uh talents or strengths and um as i was kind of thinking about it um it's kind of the getting done category executing is what it's called yeah yeah and um i but but it's interesting with strength finders because it's kind of like you know there's also like relational relational gifts or whatever and some people don't yeah. have those and it's like are those people bad at relationships and the actual the, the reality is is no 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 um what what it means is you lean more heavily on other things to accomplish similar goals if that makes sense yeah. so so yeah, like yeah. I, I don't have much in the executing side of things, but I can actually get a few things done in my life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, me, so, too. me but too. I have my strategy or the way that I go about accomplishing those things. I have to lean on other, other gifts. I, I think the gospel and the communication of the gospel or evangelism is, is similar to that. Some yeah. people it's just the proclamation strength and that's where you're going to go. So maybe that's the dude yelling yeah. in the middle of the town square. But yeah, then there's yeah. other people who have this intense ability to build relationships. What I would say is, I think evangelism and what we would do well, this might be the real gold nugget of this podcast right here. Hopefully, let's see, let's see what comes out of my mouth. Maybe gold nugget can... alert, gold nugget alert. <laughs> so <laughs> I think what we should be busy doing uh, as ministers of the gospel who try to help other people share the gospel is helping them realize where they're gifted and strong and make Jesus known in that way. Yeah. Because I, that will I, end up being the most effective way. So it's like, if you're really good at making people feel at home and comfortable and connecting with people or empathy or whatever else, guess what? You be you and make Jesus known by being you. And that's, so you got to know the gospel. You got to know what it is. I mean, that, so the training and everything else, but it's not, it's not a one size fits all. Here's what we're going to go do. And now we're quote unquote doing evangelism. Yeah. Evangelism can and should be gifts of empathy and you know, those things that it's a bigger, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah something bigger um, and something more beautiful. So tying that back then to our, our conversation today, the three, I guess three aspects of what we're talking about is presence, getting back out there and being present and using you be you in that presence. You be you, you be you, you be 40, you be you. Well, I'll just, you know, my, my former pastor, well, there's another busy, busy day. Busy, busy the, Friday. That, that is truly a European <laughs> yeah. sound that, S- that, siren. that siren. <laughs> This is my my former pastor, he's now uh, I don't know if he's retired. Ron Ron Skates, great great preacher, uh, was head pastor at Holland Park Pres for a long time. I think now he's he's like associate at or did something at First Pres San Antonio. Just just a great pastor. He would always tell the story about he became a Christian because this one guy, uh, who every day in church would smile at him when he was a kid, when he was a teenager. He would he would he would just he always was friendly and said hello and smiled, and he. He just saw something in that person that said, I want to, I want that. I want to, uh, you know, probably there were some other people in church. It's a Presbyterian church. They weren't so friendly, you know, but, but he saw somewhat something in somebody who, who, who was just living out their life in a way very simply. 
Yeah. And I, so I think that's the thing too. We need to get back to just trusting God that in some sense, God is working. We need to be praying. We need to be available. We need to be present. We need to be doing all the things you said, but also we just need to trust God and, and walk with him and, and God will use us, uh, I think in people's lives, you know, and it, it'll, you know, so, so here's, a, here's, a, here is a question I've been thinking about lately. Um, what role does fun play in ministry and the communication of the gospel? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I've been thinking a lot about my time in Sweden and how many times there, there might not have been joy as deep or maybe at all in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I think back to times where I've been an effective minister of the gospel, there is joy. Uh, and I'm not saying like joy and like my salvation. I'm actually kind of talking about like, no, just fun. Like just, yeah. just a, an enjoyment of, of life and others and uh, a lack of stress. I wonder how much think- if we can dig down deep into that as, as a community and ministers of the gospel, yeah. how effective that becomes. I, when you said that, it reminded me of our conversation with Callum Lindsay about Alpha. Yeah, yeah. And he just when when he he said something about you know he was around these people who just were fun to be with. Yeah, they were kind. You know, they were they didn't say they weren't concerned about certain things. They just were good, fun people. He's like, well, this is interesting. And and I think even just talking to Callum, he just seemed like here's a guy who clearly loves God and loves hanging out with people and just brings brings joy to stuff. You know. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think a lot of times we, we, I think you're, we've lost that sometimes in our, or we've tried to manufacture it. I think like we've tried to, to, yeah. Yeah. Like we try we try to make it like, well, we're having fun, you know, we're, we're, well, we're not really having fun. You know? And, and I, I think it goes back to, you know, grace. What's that movie, which I've never seen. It's called the Babette's feast. It's like a, it's a, yeah. I've never seen grace. Yeah. But everyone talks about it. I think Grant Kreider would like talk about it all the time in his classes. Yeah. But, but but it's all about someone who's joyful and has grace, you know, grace in because understands forgiveness, understands mercy. But that that should give us joy. It should give us yeah. It can make us a people who celebrate and love and enjoy life. And sometimes we're not that way. And I'm not. I don't want to. You know. Yeah, and sometimes so of course sometimes I want to I want to be clear in saying sometimes we don't need to be flippant. So there's a difference between flippancy yeah, yeah. of like man, you what what you're saying manufactured, like energy yeah versus just joy or enjoying yeah. things and part of it i guess an authentic and relaxed and let's say one could say christ-centered but i think that makes people think the wrong thing um because then they go what's biblical uh and that's not what i mean i mean more <laughs> like christ-centered is more like <laughs> you're experiencing the Prince of Peace in your life. So it's not a yeah. Eastern mystic home, home, but more like a, everything's going to be okay. Like the way that people would describe, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Dallas Willard. Yeah. You know, he had this sense about him that when you were around him, you just knew everything was going to be okay. I think that's what I mean. So it doesn't have to mean we're just always like silly and, no, and laughing, yeah. but, but more it's like gravitas. A, it's gravitas, yeah, but it's, but it's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's not like goofiness. 
you know? Right. Cause you can, you can actually be full of joy and grace, even when lamenting, like there's a, yeah, there's yeah. an authenticity, but I don't like the word authenticity for this context because I think it, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, but we need uh, to be authenticity able to... has become the most inauthentic world word that we have. Yeah, yeah. So I heard someone <laughs> say the other day, you know, when a pastor tells you, let me be authentic, it's the least authentic thing he could possibly do because yeah. he had to manufacture that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. that's probably true. I don't know. I just, I, it's, it's something I've been thinking about later lately. It's, it's, it's not fully completely developed uh, and yeah. put into words yet for me, but I think that there's something there. And I, maybe this is just the next phase of where I'm at in ministry of going, I think I missed something for the last maybe 10 years or so because it maybe just, I don't know if it's been 10 years for the last bit of me just in, in during this pandemic and transition that we've been going through, hmm. I'm beginning to find again of going, yeah, maybe sometimes you just need to go and have fun with someone and, yeah. and at the end of it go, isn't it nice that we have a God who, that God exists and he created us to enjoy life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's your evangelistic pitch for the day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great thing. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Garrick, uh, do you have any, uh, Texas music wisdom for me? I see you are wearing an old 97s. Uh, oh yeah. The old shirt. 97s. I'm, I'm excited that live music's coming back. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, 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 uh, that's going to be happening soon. You know, you hey, did you see bands again. Did you see the follow-up for that concert in, in uh, Barcelona, 5,000 people that, uh, that they did yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of as an experiment that the, it was not a super spreader event. No, not a super spreader at all. Yeah. So that shows you, you can still do things like yeah. we, we can figure this out. We can figure this out. Yeah. It'll, it, it's going to be all right. We can, we can get back to, yeah, Texas music, man. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a deep. Are y'all going back this well. summer? Yeah, we'll be back in uh, July six from so early September. Do you have any? Do you have any concerts lined up that you you're hoping? To I, go I to? need to start looking because I know you know the thing is it's you know no no one's touring necessarily because you can play some places but you can't play others. So I'm not sure right. it's worth it's worth the the you know although Texas is often as you know big enough to support support its own internal touring. Yeah. So, right. Uh, so I you know I, I, the one guy I I really like is a guy named Paul Cawthon and he's he is touring. Hmm. Uh, he's got some. He's, give me, he's give me. A, I don't, I've never heard of him. Who? who what is his? Uh, what is his genre? He's kind of classic. He kind of sounds like he's got a very deep voice. Uh, very classic. Uh, kind of Texas country music. Kind of you. You would almost think of like Waylon Jennings. Okay. But but he's a young guy out of Dallas or out of Tyler actually. Uh, you know. So a younger guy. So he's kind of got also a little bit of an edge, more modern. What edge. What is it that, I mean, the idea that certain places or certain, that styles of music would, would be unique to certain places is not unique to Texas. Um, but what is it about Texas that makes the music so different? Yeah, I think because it's it has, it has an edge to it. Like Texas has an edge to it, right? We are Texas. And so yeah. I think Texas music has a certain, uh, how would I say, je ne sais quoi? No, a certain, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. A certain it sounded um, French though. attitude. It's a lot more of an attitude. You know, it's, 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 
it's not it's not prideful music but it's it's very it's got an attitude it's this is from texas you know it, like every texas singer songwriter even has songs about texas right yeah. that's you know you know, how other states some but there's a whole genre you know of songs about texas yeah texans like i mean it's it's, it's pat it, green it's, i sing songs about texas yeah, and Pat Green's got like thirty songs. About yeah, it. you know, like, I love it. You know, yeah. I love it. Robert Keen, Willie Nelson. So I think, I think, because and there's a communal aspect to it of, of the culture of Texas that ties in there. Like you hear a Texas song, and you and I probably pick up on references. Yeah, and ideas and concepts that other people outside of Texas don't would naturally get. You know, because yeah, like, oh, I I know those guys, or I know. So it's it's very regional in that sense, but, but also bleeds in. Well, it's like, funny. Cause there's even regional there. There's even regional references within Texas music. So sometimes yeah. it's West Texas references, which you yeah. probably understand better than I do, yeah. but like, uh, like Pat Green's got a song where he mentions, um, stopping off to get a, a an Allsup's fried burrito, yeah, you know, and it's like yeah. Allsup is a yeah. gas station chain in yeah. West Texas, Northwest Texas, or is it also in deep, like, mostly west texas i think it's mainly what i'm trying to think if i've seen it outside of west it's like amarillo texas. lubbock kind of up near that yeah, area. but do they have them in midland i think yeah yeah and anyway but just stuff like that but you don't and it yeah you know you know there is an edge and the, what it, partly what it is is there is not an apology there people are not apologetic about being texan or thinking about texas or writing yeah. about texas yeah. i guess mean, it's just like yeah. heck no this is who i am take it yeah. or leave it i think also there's a real focus and this may come from you know uh so i'm gonna get historical here and see if this works but you know the 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 cowboys the, the you know the original cow the drives the not the football drives. team but the not the, the football yeah. team but the, the you know they that country music kind of developed out of them which they were out in these cattle drives you know weeks at a time and they would sing or tell stories mm-hmm. uh, about things or things that heard. So that was, and, and I think it was a more, you know, much more oral culture, even in the early 1900s of getting around telling stories. And I think that somehow seeped into Texas, because if you think about a lot of our singer songwriters, a lot of writers, the story is very important. Like the road goes on forever by Robert O'Keefe. I mean, what yeah. an incredible, incredibly developed story, which has yeah. in a song, you have the whole shebang, you know, climax, yeah. Yeah. you've got the whole thing. It's inc- And so there's a real sense of writing a story or telling a story about characters that are kind of out of this world. So I, I th- there's a lot about Texas music and it, you know, it goes back, but then also kind of comes up, you know, we got guys like Willie Nelson and kind of, and Waylon Jennings who are kind of the maybe revivalists of, of maybe that, kind of outlaw country sort of sort of genre yeah you know i got to a point where i started because i grew up in country on country music and liking country music and stuff but then i i stopped really listening to country and i i only listened to texas country which is a unique brand of country music um i don't listen a ton anymore but every time i go back to texas so here's the way i would describe it in order to fully appreciate Texas music, and I, w- I would include, you know, there's a whole genre of kind of, there's honky tonk, but then there's also kind of the Texas blues house yeah. kind of, you know, yeah. so it's a really wide actually. So why, yeah, it's a, it's a really folk, almost folk, just yeah, pure yeah, folk yeah. music, you know, which is yeah, just. But, so, so you get all that, but in order to really understand any of that, y- you actually have to probably have experienced a Texas summer. Like in some <laughs> sense, like you actually have to have sweat 
you, you yeah. know, yourself through your shirt in a yeah. matter in the distance it took you to walk to your car yeah. in order to fully understand anything. It doesn't mean that all the songs are talking about Texas summer. It just means it's the, it, it's the, is, is it, what is it called? The Terra Noir, the, the, or the, not Terra Noir, that's Black Earth. I don't know what it is, but anyway, you, you have to understand the feel and the, the better way to say yeah. it maybe is the texture of a place. That's why I'm yeah. saying that phrase a lot today, Yeah, but it, well, but it is that. And that's what yeah. I love about it is you actually have to, to fully appreciate like Pat Green's song, you know, southbound on 35 yeah. you actually have to have driven that thing you know like Wait, what a great line to what the hell am i doing in kansas city <laughs> <That's right. laughs> says everyone we, who's yeah, ever we've been all, there. We've all, why, why why am i why am i not in texas uh sorry kansas city's a great place well and as you said i just all these songs start popping my head of songs about it's not raining it's hot like there's uh yeah you know, my yeah. my my the, the soles of my boots were melted off. I can think of all these lines yeah. melted off because of the heat. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. There's so much stuff that it's it's really rooted in in all you know. Even you know, even you want to go. I mean, and there's so much because you can you Texas music. Okay, so you got you, Texas country music, but then there's a whole other genre which is stuff like uh, you know that's Texas rock. But yeah, but it's still Texas very rock, tied. but it's but it's not rock. Still very it's tied. Texas rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Texas, yeah. And, it, and it's still very tied thematically and community-wise to that country and that blues. It's so it's it's very yeah. It's uh, it's probably hard if you're if you're not from Texas or haven't spent. It's probably hard to understand what we're necessarily talking. Well, about. Well, and but. I haven't lived in Texas for twenty years now, so yeah. I, I know that Texas has gone through a lot of changes, but you think of, you know, you have three major much. cities, but then you throw San Antonio in there as well. And all the flavors, because Houston and Dallas are very different cities, right? And they produce yeah. people who write and think differently. And then Austin has its own culture. And like, so you've got all these cultures yeah. that are going on. And so anyway, Texas music. Well, I'll, I'll give I'm you a reference. To Texas you... music tonight. I'll, I'll give you a reference. So, uh, Kev Russell is a guy known as Shiny Ribs. So he he was you ever heard of the band called the Gourds? Yeah, the Gourds were an Aust, Austin, Texas kind of bluegrass, a very very Texas band. Uh, well, Kev, then they broke up. Kev Russell started a band called Shiny Ribs. It's kind of his nickname, and it is swamp rock. He, he basically he did a bunch of research. I, I read an interview with him about kind of music that's from around Galveston, Houston, and the Bayou, uh-huh. and you know maybe more African American but more funk inspired uh-huh. kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. funk and blues and so he put together a band that uh called shiny ribs that does a lot of kind of funk blues yeah uh but still mixing in with that cunt with country mm-hmm. music and mm-hmm. so shiny ribs is a great band uh especially black horns and and more of a beat um huh. but it's but you know they're austin bass band and but but there's a, there's just a lot to draw on. So so we're gonna we 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 need to delve more into Texas music uh, again. Maybe we'll do a Texas music episode that we've been talking about doing for a long time. But I'll I'll close with this. Yeah. Um, learn another language, earn another soul. There is a reality that a, a people's language is tied up in its culture and who it is. You can't yeah. just go to Texas and know English and think that, you know, Texas yeah. or any place, to be honest, yeah. I, like we know Texas, but it's, it is an interesting mix and culture, but there is a reality there that the music and the poetry of a people is reflected yeah. in their, 
and we're so much deeper. So this goes in into the everything that we've been talking about today. We're so much deeper than a picture on a screen or a connection that happens. Yeah. We need the personal interaction. We're so much deeper than the message that is contained in the Bible. It's deeper than that. It is, you know, like, like this is, this is it. There's, there's, there's texture and there's life to everything. And so ministry itself is so wrapped up in, in happens and all of that. And if you break it down into a number of steps or a bite-sized chunk, you're probably missing the ultimate yeah. point of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like we could talk about Texas music all day and the bits and the pieces, but until you begin to really get into that, you can't fully appreciate it for, for what it is. Amen. If that makes sense. All right. That was, I think that was we should, a good, that I think was a, we should that be was done. Great summation. That yeah, was a great summation. I hey, thought that you was know, that's what I'm here good. for. That's why you pay me so much. That's why that's yeah, the, uh, the big podcast dollars. Amy and Teresa. <laughs> uh, all right, my friend. I hope you have a great weekend. It was great to see you. And it's uh, very good to see you, man. We'll uh, we'll see you at the next time. Sounds good. All right, buddy.